Welcome to MineWalk, the podcast where we discuss the confluence of all things mining and all things technology. Our purpose is to introduce you to the latest and most transformative ideas in, in, in the sector, and we'll give you an opportunity to get to know some of the trendsetters. Uh, my name is MP Stradom, and together with John Rue, we are your podcast hosts. And today, we really have an interesting subject and a very interesting guest with us. I'll introduce you to him in a minute. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and its application in in industry in general and then in mining specifically with our guest. Just before I dive in, uh, I can imagine that, as I mentioned the term artificial intelligence, many of your uh, many of you might find your hair ra- raising. <laughs> if you like Elon Musk, he said, uh, you know, he's the Tesla and SpaceX CEO. He's claimed that artificial intelligence will be vastly smarter than any human would be and overtake us by 2025. That is just around the corner. And he also said that AI may be our biggest existential threat. Stephen Hawking, he was a major voice in the debate about how humanity can benefit from artificial intelligence. Of course, he benefited personally with his with his voice synthesizer as well. And he made no secret of his fears that uh, thinking machines could one day take charge. He went as far as predicting that the future developments in AI could spell the end of the human race. <laughs> and Bill Gates, who needs no introduction of, he said uh, AI is like nuclear energy. It's both promising and dangerous. So the world, he said, uh, hasn't had that many technologies that are both promising and dangerous, you know. And we had nuclear energy and nuclear weapons. He said this at the 2019 Human Centered Artificial Intelligence Symposium at Stanford University. While it's probably a while before we will reach the AI singularity where AI based intelligence reaches its own goals and purposes and will be better at developing more AI than what we as humans are, the fact is we're moving in that direction. And so we'd love to talk about that. So we're going to discuss today whether there's any putting the genie back in the bottle <laughs> or, or whether it's escaped at all. Um, but just before you think, uh, I'm going to be the only one that's talking. I've got a very interesting guest with me today. Sinisha Vukovic is uh, our resident, although not so resident here in South Africa, where I'm talking from, AI specialist and an, an academic and a thinker and a, a very nice person to boot. So I'd like to introduce you quickly then to, to Sanisha. And I've actually asked him to jump in by telling us a little bit about his personal background. And then we can look at, uh, more at academic and academia and all of that. So Sanisha, welcome to the Mind War podcast. Uh, it's great to have you. Oh, glad to be here. So, yeah, you, you know, whenever they, these big, big thinkers are a little wary of AI, that's because, you know, when you train AI, there's an internal bias. And something about my me might give you the bias I give when I talk about AI. So it's actually not yeah. to introduce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I um yeah, my name is Sinisha Vukovic. I um right now I come from Toronto. I live in Toronto, I'm Canadian. But 20 years ago I came from a country that doesn't exist anymore. It was called Yugoslavia. We had a horrible war there, and then uh, after that I immigrated. I uh Back there, I studied medicine, I studied mechanical engineering, 
and then got interrupted, came to Canada, I ended up graduating in, in, in some nice institutions. I, I met some people. I met my wife there. Uh, she turns out to be from Kenya. So I wow. do have a relationship with South Africa and Africa. I am not yeah. a husband, but I did spend time and I want to spend more time in Johannesburg. It's a beautiful place. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I really grew up in a city. It's called Zenitsa, right in the middle of countries today called Bosnia and Herzegovina. And it's a mining city. And it's been a mining city for 4,000 years before the Romans wow. came there. And we've been mining ever since, mining even today. The city is like there's a, there are caves underneath the city all the time. Right downtown is a shaft. I've literally been in front of the mine before I've been in front of the kindergarten. And of course, growing up in such a town, mining does kind of seep into your blood, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It, actually, the most it seeps in, in your lungs because we have <laughs> and steelworks and all that soot going around and lead. And they said that the lead was specific in a sense that would give a, a little bit of aggressiveness. So there are a lot of, a lot of really good athletes back, back oh. home. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a good thing then that we're talking of a market of teams here. So, <laughs> so if you get aggressive, you're not close. <laughs> no, like you're one of the big sports in, in South Africa is rugby. And, yeah. and the city where I come from is famous for rugby. We were the best team. We would win like, like nine seasons in a row, champions. Wow, yeah. That's, that's yeah. excellent. And those are mostly miners working there. People from the steelworks <laughs> and ironworks, they're just... And they just they just enjoy beating people up. That's why they're good at rugby. Rugby is a gentleman's sport. Don't forget that. Sunisha, uh, so you uh, you alluded to the fact that you that you uh, started off in the medical or with medical studies and, and yeah. in engineering and so on. Um, but you you've got quite a stellar academic background. But not only were you a student, uh, but you you also worked in academia, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, I secretly am a really academic. As I said, a little bit of skill, a little bit of will, and a lot of luck that you come up with mentors who will not be afraid of, of, of some naive behavior, some naive thinking, and then you realize this is exactly why they bring you, to, to, to hear these utopian ideas that you had to change the world and do better, things like that. And they're not laughing at you, they actually... I ended up at Canadian's really nice school. Uh, it's, University of Toronto, which was really nice because you could do so many things. And I, I learned a lot there. And from there, professor literally told me what to do, where to go. And I picked to go to Italy. And I mm. spent two years in Pisa, in Toscana, in their school, one of their best schools. And there I learned how to work a little bit differently. The way Italians work, that that place where it works is how everybody should work. It's It's really proper way of balancing life and, and creativity at work. Mm -hmm. I like that. And um, I wish I could stay, but they have enough of their own scientists, so they didn't need <laughs> me. I looked for something else and something else. I got really lucky. You wouldn't believe it, why they accepted me, but I ended up being at University of California, Berkeley. And that was mind boggling. There was life changing experience, both for me and, and my wife. When we went there, that was just, just amazing. The, the level of performance, and how I treated science, how I treated thinking, how I treated being around people who can do something. Yeah, so when we arrived to University of California, Berkeley, uh, that was life transform transformative, really, uh, because to a scientist, it was really like a Disneyland. You could do whatever you want. And there were people to, to help you with that. 
I, I really like that. And, and the reason I, I liked it and I wanted to do something is because the first week I arrived, they really, somebody called me on the phone in my office and says, this is Anisha. Said, yeah, this is Anisha. We are from the Hill. The Hill means the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. That's where the, the real scientists are. And <laughs> they call from this and we are from Supercomputing Center. If you need something, please tell us, we'll do for you. I'm like, what can you do for me? It doesn't matter. Like they, they just treated you like um, you're here. We're going to help you do, try to invent something. And of course, I'm going to invent something when you, when you behave like that. And it mm -hmm. was even, even going around the city, they were like that. And But by this time, you were postdoctorate uh, already, right? Yes, I was postdoctor. As soon as I left uh, Toronto, now Italy, I'm going as a postdoc, coming to California as a postdoc. I went to Berkeley because they had a proper supercomputing machine. And, and one of the first things I did, I wanted to see how long does it take to, to send a, now we're talking 12 years ago, how mm. long it takes to send a message to 50,000 CPUs and get it back. It takes like yeah. 500 seconds. And like, <laughs> this is when you think of this. This, this was 12 years ago, but this technology will never come to a common people. And you realize, okay, I'm in National Lab. This is what the United States built, like Max Planck in, in, in Germany. And all they want with these labs is to invent something and it has to be valuable. This is what they did. And I remember that time Bill Gates came to the, to the campus and he gave a talk. And to all these scientists, all these Nobel laureates, he said, you're working on the wrong problems. He wanted to say, there's so many... PhDs here, do something with it. Work on problems that matter. Yeah. And not all of us work with it. And National Lab is exactly just to do that. What matters? That. Those are the problems. Work on them. And that kind of set me for the future. Mm -hmm. Okay, You have this responsibility. You can invent something. So go, invent something. Our next step in that was the biggest supercomputer in the world. There was Titan. Well, was Jaguar at that time. And now Titan. There was an Oak Ridge National Lab in Tennessee. And that was probably the nicest place I've ever been the biggest computer I ever worked with. And that was, that was really something. You could do simulations that you could not imagine. You have access to 100,000 CPUs. Yes, wow. you have to write the emails to get the access to it, all these things, but eventually you will give it. You'll give it to you. It was, it, it was amazing. And that was yeah. one of the nicest places to live. We worked there on, of course, it's a, it's a nuclear facility. So we worked on uranium and we picked up, if there is a new way of mining in the future, this might be one of them. So mining from the sea directly. Mm -hmm. and, developed a piece of plastic that you can put in a seed, pull out after a few days and turn out to be pure, pure, pure uranium. So you don't have to clean it up. It's just right there. And okay. yeah, that was, that was, that was it. And then after that, uh, the call came to go to, to England. And by that time, I really wanted to start a career. Postdoc is not a career. A scientist in a research lab on a contract is not a career. But a Cavendish came and Cavendish called and I'm like, you don't say no to Cavendish in, in Cambridge. So. <laughs> I, I, we had to go, and that that was again even better Disneyland because they put you in Cavendish lab and they say we have 31 Nobel laureates. Try to do something. Like what can I do? Try to be useful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they say now, okay, you have a joint position with Molecular Foundry at the Cancer Center, and we have 34 Nobel laureates. Please invent something for us. Like, wow, <laughs> that was two years of pure joy. It was really something. And then you start thinking, uh, first you learn, then you earn. You lose L, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, how do I do it? And you talk to some people and they say, okay, work with some business people, you know. And uh, Deloitte was right there in mm -hmm. front of the train station. So I saw it. Okay, let's work for Deloitte. And at that time, they started uh, AI. So 
they were not very nice, but they were very confident <laughs> people who were who were talking to me. They were borderline arrogant, but because they knew what they're talking about, you know, you're not re- repulsed. So I said, okay, let's yeah. do this. And then we go there and we make a big team. And that was really good for three years. We really did good stuff. And now AI, I, I meet a lot of clients. You, you figure out what does the industry want. At that time, I met people from Martin RP. I saw the platform. I saw what they were doing. Uh, I thought they, I could do this. I could get involved. Plus, I'm going back to mining. Plus, I'm a chemist. I still do the chem- chemistry. And I liked it. So I ended up in, in Minor RP. And then when they called me to spend some time in Johannesburg, I'm staying in Minor RP. It was, yeah. it was really nice. Yeah. Oh, we're privileged to have you. So we're learning a lot from you when it comes to thinking about artificial intelligence, machine learning, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all, all these kinds of interesting terms being bandied about these days. And uh, a few years ago, you know, people thought that BI or, or descriptive analytics was interesting. And and then people started talking a little bit about predictive analytics. And, yes. uh, and slowly but surely we're moving into prescriptive analytics. And then people are talking about cognitive solutions um, and all of these terms are being being thrown around. And in the world of AI, from what I understand, there's a, a bit of a, a divide between uh, specific AI solutions and, and the kind of holy grail of, of general AI, the uh, artificial general intelligence, which is maybe the stuff that you see in movies where you've got artificial agents acting. That's not immediately where we want to go to uh, when we come to the application of AI in business. Am I right? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. I learned it from the previous bosses, crawl, walk, Uh run. So at the moment, we are really crawling. In order not to start exaggerating, doing some science fiction, yes, when Elon Musk and and Stephen Hawking are are talking about the threat, they're looking way, way ahead of what, what, what could possibly be. Yeah, they're not unrealistic, definitely a, a threat, but <laughs> you, we can be realistic about it. What it's not AI, it's us, it's, it's not yeah. the fire, it's not nuclear energy, it's us. How do we do that? So, we have enough normal people, moderate people, we should be fine. Well, bottom line, we should be fine without AI as well. Like, never yeah. forget that part. If AI yeah. never comes in, never helps us, we're good, we, we're gonna figure something else out. If electrical cars don't show up, that's okay. We'll we'll do something else. We lose the car. So okay, we'll walk. There's always that option. But just, yeah. you know, stressing. Oh, what about? Yeah, nothing will happen. We'll be fine. Don't worry. We'll find a way. So to say it's going to solve our problems, not 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 now. Not even not, not not even close. But there are certain concepts to know. So when we say not even close, so you don't o- overestimate or underestimate what does it mean. So the concepts are typical that that analysts and statisticians and ML engineers are, are using. It's um, ADS and EKG. So ADS, analytical data set. This is a data that you prepare, and you use that data to prepare another data set, which is called EKG, Enterprise Knowledge Graph. And why would you want that? Because machine learning or AI cannot do without without that this data. It needs right. data. The data needs to be clean. And right now, we don't have clean data. Right now, right. everybody's spending time, most of the time, we're not talking about 50%, 80 90% of their time preparing the data so these machine learning techniques can be used. So and, and now you're referring across industry. And this is this is why the big platform companies, the Googles, the uh, yeah. Amazons, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, offer so many free products 
Yes. Because it's really about the data, isn't it? It's right now we would say just data is not clean. So such a trivial thing as cleaning data is a, is a serious problem. So okay. once you clean it, now we go step into it. And, and what these sets that ADS and EKG have really advantage once you have it, because you can you can set up algorithms that look at these data sets and automatically try to generate things. And what 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 can they generate? Well, they can pick columns, they can pick data and say, if I divide this one by this one, then I get something. Well, if this is input and output columns and you divide them, you get the yield. Oh, there's some meaning, there's some physics, there's some KPIs out of this. So equations become interpretable for business as well and some risk and some strategy. And then you start making a connection. But before ADS, before AKG, you don't do, you don't do anything. Yeah, and it's yeah. interesting you, you you introduced us to the terms of, of of something being interesting versus something being valuable. That's and right. so what you're saying is if we've got this infinite or almost infinite computing capabilities, we can we can calculate many interesting results. But yeah. we don't. But but we at this moment at least we we really need the human to look at it and whether or not this is valuable for the specific applications, say in mining, like where where we That's are right. playing. And, and how to apply it in a valuable way, right? That's that's correct. That's correct. So, what do you see right now with with AI, um, with machine learning, with, which is just basically a regression, all different ways of doing regression. Meaning, just I have yeah. a lot of points, I, I throw a line through it, different kind of lines. It doesn't have to be straight. When the, when it does all these things, it doesn't do anything sophisticated. It doesn't do it doesn't go do anything crazy. Just just so simple. But interpretation of it has consequences. But if it right. decides on its own, at best you can call it interesting because it's it's useless. The column has a meaning in, in, in reality or not. So it divides them and gets some number out of it. So any numbers can be used. And it can say, okay, now you need uh, 10 people to do this. And you're yeah. looking, I cannot put three people in this room. Then why are you suggesting 10? It doesn't have any problem predicting these things. It doesn't have any problem saying these things because doesn't see the difference between valuable and, and, and interesting. And, and a computer scientist has to go in and make all these rules. And a computer scientist never stepped into the mind. So you have this disconnect. So That's it. there's yeah. always this, this <clears throat> in between interesting and valuable. And, and if you're a national lab in the United States and you do and you show something interesting, they tell you it's interesting. They're basically insulting you because <laughs> it's, not, it's not valuable. Yeah, otherwise, you say, oh, this is useful. Yeah, it's not. You're yeah. saying it's interesting. So in that sense, a lot of engineers are producing interesting results, and then a lot of businesses are starting like that, and they're trying to tell clients, "Oh, this is good for you." Mm. Well, not not there. But AI mm. definitely, definitely, what what it's doing right now is producing a lot of interesting results, and people are trying to make them valuable. And and the problem in that is that the AI is childish. It's not stupid. Childish is a good thing because it can grow and it will grow. It will grow very fast. It will grow to a point that we are not gonna be able to appreciate it. And we'll go, it'll grow like that in two from two sides. It will grow from the, from, as a brute force. It will go, it'll do this by brute force because we have computers and we'll do it by being smart, doing some, some, some smart decisions. And, and being brute force is not a bad thing. If you look at any expert, how do they make decisions? Well, they know a lot of things. So in their head, they go very quickly and they eliminate things and stay with two, three options at the end, do that. Mm. But the brain is much bigger than any supercomputer in the world. And it doesn't look like that. But to an expert, every time you do this, all this knowledge that you have, the brain in, in the subconscious goes through all these options and just gives you a few at the end. Mm. It's the same approach 
with AI, it looks like brute force is not a good way to go. But if you can, why not do it? Might not be the yeah. most important, but it's practical. And yeah. combining smart and brute force, which is definitely coming, is, is going to be so, so good that we won't be able to appreciate the value of it. And then we're going to blur the, the stuff in between interesting and, and valuable. Maybe yeah. before we get to some specifics, something we discussed in, in a pre-discussion was, is it valid to say, in, in your opinion, do you see the, the big sword hanging over mining's head that the moment that we've got machines that are able to think for themselves and, and, and maybe create mine plans and create execution schedules and, and in some cases even do the execution, are we going to lose thousands and thousands of jobs? No. Or are the skills going to move or what's going to happen? No, 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 none of that will happen. No, it's, um, you don't need to see mining. You can look at other industries where they do these things, where they introduce digitalization. What ends up, people just do more work and people have eight hours a day. And if there's more work, they, you need to be more efficient, more doing more things. Then you just need more people. Email came in and said, okay, well, what, how's this going to change? Well, you're just doing way more communication now. Are you still eight hours of, of work? And then there's so much work, we need more people to, to write emails. Same thing and here. Yet, and, and yet, I mean, it's, it's not as if we can't say that, for example, um, industrial revolution didn't cause a lot of uh, disruption and impact uh, in blue collar workers. So it's yeah. expected that, that AI will impact white collar workers maybe the same as uh, industrialization impacted blue collar workers, or am I wrong? No, you're right. Um, I I would like to see that when you say artificial intelligence, you're literally saying I would like to replace white collar wor workers. It's not happening right now. It seems to be all targeted towards the blue collar workers, but that's because the businesses are targeting the owners of the companies. The moment that that switches and you realize, oh, I need to be like Netflix. I need to be like Uber. Who's who's my client? My client is the end, the person. And so when it's the person, then will be a little bit different and say, okay, I, I want to help you. The ultimate AI model will be. Oh, he's, a, he's an app. I'm going to be your CEO. CEO. I'm going to be a COO. I'm going to be C-suite for you. So I'll make decisions for you. you. You want to be a carpenter? Be a carpenter. Do your carpenter if that's what you like. You don't need to know any of this management stuff. It does the formulas anyway. You just put them in there. I'll, I'll do the managing for you. And I'll talk to another manager app for you. So that's ultimately where AI will go. But there isn't a client for that. So nobody's developing. Current client is the owner of the company that says, how do I make more money and the AI that's coming now is how to how to do that in terms of replacing people because people cost most. But yeah. that that's not going to go very far. Uh, at, at the end, the middle manager and the top are the ones where intelligence is and that will AI will affect those more than, than those on the bottom. And when it affects mm -hmm. those on the bottom, that's fine. They will find other, other jobs. It's not like there won't be jobs. The AI will provide you not not leisurely time. We'll, we'll provide you to do something that you're more humanly capable and better than than the machine. Yeah, and so there are things. Uh, I, I read an interesting study by uh, Harvard Business Review. Yeah. They looked at 1,500 companies which they researched, uh, and 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 the topic was collaborative intelligence, yeah. as opposed to cognitive intelligence and so on, and and where humans and AI work together. They yeah. said. The best results were found where, where humans and AI actively enhance each other's complementary strengths. Yeah. And so there are things that computers are better at than humans, and humans are better at that computers. And not only only now, but intrinsically so, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So 
I think you, you, you're pushing me to say this and I will say it. So right now, combination of human intelligence and, and artificial intelligence is the best solution and ultimately gives the, the best answer. But if you look at the, the gaming industry where the system is closed, the number of scenarios is finite, large, but finite, human cannot compete with AI. It's, yeah. AI is, is better. So we had to concede there. Right now, in systems where not all the scenarios are, are possible, so our creativity, our experience is still relevant, the combination is the best. But as Tesla said, the car company said, well, yeah, I'm just going to drive a million hours and figure out all the scenarios, and therefore my AI will learn all the possible scenarios. At that moment, AI is a better driver than a human. You can envision that eventually whatever we do, this might be kind of disillusioning. Whatever we do, AI will learn all the rules, all the scenarios, and it will be better than us. <laughs> well, we'll see if it can tell some good jokes or or know how to put its arm around someone that's that's really having a bad time at work and things like that. That'll be interesting. <laughs> I, I hope it's just interesting, but it will be able to it. It's, it's, it's not, yeah. Interesting as opposed to valuable. Sinisha, yeah. I, I, I'm looking at the time and, and, and no we're running out of time, but we haven't said everything that we wanted to say. So I'm going to actually invite you back for a next round as well, oh, okay. if, All right. if that's fine with you. Okay. Just before we, we, we go, in, I think in our next session, we're going to have to ha have a look at some of the specific applications of, uh, of AI in mining. You know, uh, maybe uh, the next evolution of automation. How does AI play a role in there? So uh, as opposed to making a self-driving vehicle, how do I make a vehicle that de that decides itself where to drive, uh, uh, et cetera? So maybe a little bit about that and, and, and things like, you know, this human-assisted machine versus machine-assisted human a, a, a combination edge-based decision-making, swarm theory. I know that, that we've talked about this. I'd love to maybe have a next session, if that's yeah. okay, and talk to you about that. Okay, yeah, let's do that, yeah. Just before we run, we've yeah. learned to, uh, we, we've gotten to know you a little bit. We always end up on this question. What is, uh, what's on your bedside table? What are you reading at the moment? That's, I uh, almost said that's interesting, but I don't want to insult you. <laughs> I, uh, I never read one book, I read, uh, this came from the school. I, I opened biology book and then I have chemistry, math and physics around me. There's always six, seven books open at the same time. And the speed of reading is in the book. So I have quite a few books and they're mostly about energy, energy management. And they're mostly chemistry books. I enjoyed nonfiction. There are some books that are fiction and that's the one that's beside, beside my bed. And it's a uh, bridge on Drina. Drina is the river, and that's by uh, Ivo Andrich. He's a writer from back home, and uh, 1960, he got a Nobel Prize for this particular book, and it's a historical book about Ottoman Empire on Balkans and how deal with this and what's going on. And he's a quite interesting person now, uh, in, in his wow. own right. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's one of one of the group of people who who was responsible for the beginning, the start of the First World War. The killing of Franz Ferdinand, Franz sorry. Ferdinand. Yeah. yeah, and then they used them to, to to justify the beginning of the war. Everybody was ready anyway, but he was part <laughs> of the group, and uh, he would, ended up being a diplomat, all the, all sorts of things. So his perspective is uh, quite something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, talking about everyone being ready, um, I think we're yeah. all ready to, to to learn a bit more. I'm gonna uh, say thank you and goodbye, um, and and we'll catch up. Uh, We'll have a next episode next week. Okay. okay.